God, may the words of my lips and the meditations of each and every one of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable to you, for you are our Lord, our rock, and our redeemer. Amen. Our passage for today is known as the prologue to the Gospel of John, and it is one of the most well-known passages in the New Testament, maybe even in all of the Christian Bible. These opening verses to the fourth gospel have a different feeling and sound to them compared to the opening words of the other three gospels. The poetry and cadence is filled with brilliant imagery and a grand introduction to the gospel. And as we read this passage, we can't help but notice how it echoes with the very first story in the Bible, the creation account in Genesis. Genesis begins with, in the beginning, and John begins with, in the beginning. The other Gospels, known as the Synoptic Gospels, don't begin this way. Matthew, Mark, and Luke are called the Synoptic Gospels because scholars believe they were all written based on Mark's work. While there are variations in each individual Gospel, it is known and accepted that these three Gospels were based off of the same original text. Do you know how each of the other three Gospels start? Matthew begins with the genealogy of Jesus. Mark begins with the ministry of Jesus. Luke begins with the birth of Jesus. Each of these Gospels begins with Jesus. But John, John is different. John begins before Jesus' ministry, before his birth, even before his ancestors. John starts at the very beginning. So I think it makes sense for us to go to the beginning, too. One of my favorite tellings of the story of creation comes from the Jesus Storybook Bible. Here are the words from the creation story from that children's Bible, but I have also decided to weave the words of John 1 through it. In the beginning, there was nothing. Nothing to hear, nothing to feel, nothing to see. Only emptiness and darkness and nothing but nothing. But God was there. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Like a mother bird flutters her wings over her eggs to help her babies hatch, God hovered over the deep, silent darkness. God was making life happen. All things came into being through God, and without God, not one thing came into being. In God was life, and the life was the light of all people. God said, hello, light, and light shone into the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. It seems as if the beginning of Genesis and the beginning of John were made for each other, and some scholars think that John intentionally started his gospel to sound like Genesis. As I mentioned, the first 18 verses of this gospel of John are known as the prologue. And in these opening verses, we find the themes that we will discover throughout the rest of John's gospel. The prologue helps the reader understand the length and the breadth and the depth of God's existence. Genesis and John both begin with the fact that God was present at the beginning, and in verse 3 of both chapters, things are created. Before creation, the only thing that existed was God and the Word. In the midst of the chaos of creation surrounding the formless void that became the world, God is there. 
and the world belongs to God. Now John chooses to use the word word with a capital W as a name for Jesus in this prologue. The word in Greek for word is logos, and it has a lot of different connotations in Greek thought. For John, he chooses the word logos to describe Jesus because he is showing that Jesus is more than human. Jesus encompasses all the connotations and understanding of logos, but Jesus is even more than that. Rather than just being an obscure thought or a hard-to-grasp concept, Jesus, as the Logos, tells the reader that Jesus has been around for the beginning. Jesus has and always will be. When God was saying, hello, light, hello, trees and flowers and grass, Jesus was there. And as God spoke words, life happened, and the Logos was part of that life. The Logos was there at the very beginning. It was there in John's Gospel and it is still present among us today. In the beginning was the word, and it brought life and light to all people. This life and light was present at the beginning, but eventually it became flesh and blood and lived among us. The Greek verb that is translated as to live or to dwell is skenu, and it essentially means to fix one's tabernacle or to set up one's tent. In the Hebrew Bible, when the people of God were wandering in the wilderness, they built a tabernacle that they could carry with them on their journey. It was literally a huge tent with very specific fabrics and dimensions, and when they set it up, it became the meeting place and the dwelling place of God. But in the New Testament, God has set up God's tent in a very different and much more radical way. When God became flesh and blood and lived among us, the relationship between God and humanity changed. The incarnation binds Jesus to the everydayness of the human experience. Jesus entered onto the scene in a time that was filled with fear and confusion for the people of God. They were living under Roman rule and were often, often persecuted for their beliefs. While news had started to spread that there was this man who was the Messiah— it didn't change the fact that everyday life for the people of God wasn't always easy. And in fact, their association with the Messiah made life even more difficult for them. But when we read stories of Jesus in the Gospels and he is sitting down with people and spending time with them as they gather around tables or as he visits them at their bedsides, we are reminded that this flesh and blood Jesus provides a different kind of hope and connection with humanity than his counterparts in the Trinity. Suddenly, our relationship with God takes on a new meaning, a new understanding. It becomes personal. In the beginning was God and the Word, and the rest of the story unfolds from there. We find ourselves at a new beginning today as well, the beginning of a new year. The last two years have been hard and exhausting and filled with disappointment and frustration and so many difficult things. But the last two years have also been filled with moments of joy and laughter and happiness and trying new things. I'm not sure that any of us knows exactly what this year will hold. Some of us know that new life is on the way, or we have hope for new chapters that haven't been written yet, or we are preparing to close chapters that are now finished. 
Some of us know that this new year will include treatments for illnesses or preparing to say goodbye to loved ones or the uncertainty that comes with an ever-changing world. It might feel like the only thing that we do know for certain about this beginning is that we don't know anything at all. But we do know one more thing. We know that in this beginning, God is here and always will be. In this beginning, Christ's love is found in each of us. In this beginning, the Holy Spirit is present, moving through us and guiding us in the world. In this beginning, God is calling out to us still. In this beginning, we know that we trust in and love a God who is still working and moving in the world, even when it seems like the world has lost all hope. In this beginning, we know that hope is never lost, darkness never wins, and the light that was there in the very beginning is a light that shines in each of us today. As we begin this new year, may we always be bringers of light and carriers of hope, May we constantly be listening for the voice of God that is calling out to us. And may we do everything we can to be the presence of Christ in a world that so desperately needs it. In this beginning, may we be hope-filled, fearless followers of Christ.